Get ready for a week-long celebration of music, community and fabulous fun with Joy Radiothon 2024. Joy has the largest collection of rainbow podcast content in the world and you can help keep us out loud and proud by donating during Joy Radiothon 2024. Just go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. Mark it in your calendars because Joy Radiothon returns June 1st to 7th and remember, we all flourish with joy. Welcome to a Joycast from Joy 94.9. Visit joy.org.au to find out more about our Joycasts. This is Senator Penny Wong. You're listening to Australia's Joy 94.9. Hello and welcome to Being There Done That on Joy 94.9. Welcome to our little show of history items and things in current affairs. And to share the eating of the currents, I have Gordon. Yes, well, I'm not having an affair. I'm having a genuine relationship. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and, for and I'll stick to the grapes. Oh, all right. Then. And once again, apologise to the pianist who we've just cut off on his solo. There he is. I know he's brought the strings with him this week. <laughs> That he, he might have been the bloke that I saw on the train this morning who was uh, reading, a, reading, he's studying scores. All right. Um, what, I, footy scores? No, not footy scores, just oh, musical, musical scores. Oh. Yes. So it's probably him. <laughs> That's what it is. Oh, I went to a party and took my harp along. Yeah, I took my harp to a party and nobody asked me to play. <laughs> That's you Gracie s- Fields. Is it? Well, I certainly <laughs> don't know anything about it, obviously, as I didn't know the name of the song. Oh, yes. Our show is, as I mentioned, dealing with history things. And quite often we don't realise history is uh, in the making because uh, today's events are actually tomorrow's history lesson. Well, over the weekend, we had that particularly interesting situation where the Wentworth events came and went And there was all sorts of turmoil in the middle. And that was mainly to do with the postal votes. And you've got to realise that postal votes can't be considered all in until there's been two weeks elapsed to all arrive. Chris, I was talking talking about that with Philip, and as, does that mean you can vote after the election and it comes in, or how no, do they check? No. How do they check that you posted it in time? Well, I'm not sure about that, but I'm sure there is a way that you've probably got to date the envelope, and you're signing away the fact that uh, um, you are posting it. Mm. I mean, you might have to lodge it. Yeah, I suppose they they also stamp it in the post office because they can identify the fact that it's a postal vote. Mm. Yes, the, the post, the the franking date where the stamp is cancelled would be the, the cut-off. As long as the machine that could read it was supposed to be reading it. Mm. Well, oh, as I started to tell you earlier, there's invisible ink that computers can read. It's like a magnetic ink. Oh, right. It's got all that information. Mm. All right. Oh. But we had, at the beginning of our show, the greeting by Penny Wong. Mm. Now, as a result of the Wentworth by-election... by-election we, can we point out that it was a by-election? <laughs> yes, you bought something, did you? No, you, you could be gay or straight or bi and vote. <laughs> The, the bi community are really quite welcoming. Oh, and and there was a time there where it appears, though, Karen Phelps was going to be pipped at the post. 
Mm, there was a, it was a very interesting um, watching the results coming through, oh, which yeah. I did on Saturday night. But I think it was more the the people who lost rather than those who won that we should look at. Yeah, I, I loved I loved the um, faux pas that she made when she thanked the people of Warringah and then had to quickly alter it back to Wentworth because Warringah's <laughs> Tony Abbott's seat. Wishful <laughs> thinking. <laughs> Across the heads is Tony yeah. Abbott's seat. Oh. But, uh, but anyhow, good old um, good on you, Dr. Karen Phelps, for do, doing very getting well. Getting up yeah. and, yeah, giving There's, the tree a big old shake. But the, a couple of the people were saying in the last fortnight, Labor Party ran dead because, oh. because of the where the preferences would flow the Labour Party had to finish third she had to finish second because then the Labour Party preferences would flow to Dr Karen Phelps which is exactly what happened and that's how she got above the Liberal candidate it was a bit of dirty politics I suppose but then they were never going to win the seat anyhow so why not get somebody I, I, in the, the, the run-up to the election was rather dirty as you said mm. but it was so stupid as well if in fact she did have HIV what's the drama none but there is no drama. I don't think she would have had anyhow. She's a doctor. No. She's been a doctor and she's a, what the president she, of the AMA. And she knows how to protect know, herself yes, in this is all right. sorts yes, of all situations. And, and, um, and she's got a brain too, which is rather yeah. good. Yes, a very now, good what else do we know about uh, Karen Phillips? Well, she's be, she was married. She's got three children. I think she has three, two or three children. And then she, her partner has a, another child as well. Um, so they're quite a happy family, actually. Yeah, and she's lived in that area mostly all of her life, and she's practiced in that area as a doctor. So she was a, a local that was well known in the suburb like suburbs like um, Malcolm Turnbull was. But it, it, it made me a bit thing about the way the the government screamed it because Malcolm Turnbull didn't help them win the election. After well, you've been turfed out by your party, would you bother to do anything <laughs> for them? Hello. That, that was a real puzzle, that one. Yeah. <laughs> you gave me the boot and you want what? Yeah, and, but he did come back on Monday. He flew in on Monday oh, morning from oh. the States. So, oh, right. uh, Just to say, That's right, yeah. There you go. Round about this day, on the 18th of October, 1867, someone made a rather good purchase. Oh, yes, they did too. Didn't didn't cost them much. About two cents an acre. Because we're talking about Alaska, by the way. Was it up for sale? I'm not quite sure, but uh, Russia were in pretty dire straits at the time, apparently, and I think the Americans offered to buy that uh, Alaska from them. So it was notionally Russian land? It was Russian land, yeah. yeah. Right. Mm. So things, yeah, I mean, this is well and truly before the Communist Revolution in 1914. Oh, yes, yeah, but they were, they, apparently they were going a bit broke and then they, they, the Americans made them an offer. That well, they, the, the British and the Americans were starting to encroach on Russia's southern borders. Borders, yeah. And Russia needed some money and they thought well, they'd settle any of those southern disputes by selling them Alaska, Yeah, which wasn't physically touching Did they Russia. ask her? Alaska? Yeah. I don't know, but nobody says I have an American accent when I say, I'll ask her. <laughs> we should be saying, I'll ask her. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah but they, could, they said that the, you could see from, the, um, from Alaska, you can see Russia. It's, that, oh, the very narrow, it's a very narrow strait across which the, um, the water flows. I, I think just because Sarah Palin said that, I doubt oh, no, it. No, no, no. It's, it's, a, it's a well-known fact that you actually can see um, um, part, one part of it, yeah. The Aleutian Islands are a little string of pearls between the two holding them. It's, but I'm sure there's 
more than the usual curvature of the earth between the islands. I, I think right up at the very top of Alaska, is it, where Russia and Alaska are very, very close, mm. I think you'll be able to see it. All right, on a good day. Well, if it wasn't frozen, yeah. 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 You can see Palin. Yeah, there we are. <laughs> but President now, wh- Andrew Johnson was derided for the purchase. Wow. Oh. It was very remote to be of any real value. And then in 1896, the Klondike Gold, Gold Rush, Rush started. started. Yes, yes. And I think the opinion changed pretty yes, quickly. It probably but did. They, but they did two purchases, the Americans, didn't they? They purchased Louisiana from the French. There was another one that they bought. Mm. And without that, we wouldn't have Dixie Cups of ice cream. Oh, wouldn't we? Oh, okay. Right. That's where Dixie came from. Okay. <laughs> and it's also the tendal note is a Dixie. Ah, so it's a French word for ten. D. This, this, this. Oh, right. Not that, it's this. See, you, you learn all sorts of use, uh, uh, interesting things. <laughs> We're full of useless information. I do need to point out, Alaska is a long, long, long way from America. Yeah. But I, I had a Thanksgiving there once. Oh, right. And staying at a ski resort at sea level really hurt my brain. Why? Because here, if we want to see snow, we drive and go up to the mountains. Yeah. Here we are on sea level, and they ski on real snow. (laughs) Now, I wonder if the locals, the local Inuits or whoever they were that were living in that inhospitable country, agreed to this particular change of ownership. I would say they had no say in it whatsoever. At the time, it would Mm. be just money, money, money. What would you call a gay Inuit? Would that be an outuit? Oh. <laughs> Thank yeah, you. Possibly. Very good. Very yes. good. But what about our own Australian uh, indigenous population? Indigenous population uh, around Uluru. Well, they on the twenty sixth of October, nineteen eighty five, the Australian government returned ownership of Uluru to the traditional owners. Note that we didn't sell it back, like the Russians. <laughs> So no. we, we gave it back free of charge and said, thank you for loaning us your rock. Well, let's face it, the, the local people had been there for 40,000 years or something or other, so why would you? Mm. Well, I want yeah. to see their passports. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sounding like the federal government now. You yeah. Prove it. It goes back to the local indigenous uh, people. It's a magical sort of place for the indigenous people. Uluru is the name. And it's really at the physical and cultural heart of our nation. Well... The traditional owners have the culture, but physically it is located. It's almost in the dead centre of Australia. It's quite amazing. And they they mm. did did an estimation of how much it weighed on the television the other night. Well, it's like an iceberg. There's what you can see above the surface, and then there's a lot underneath. But these people did a scan underneath. They they went down to see how deep it went. And they did. Then they calculated that if this much weighed this much, and then how the weight of it, it comes out to something like a billion tons or something or other. You know, an unimaginable weight. Just wait till some guy from Western Australia finds a way of mining it. Oh, how long will it last? (laughs) I don't think he'd get the opportunity somehow. Well, you would hope not. No, but but it'll be her that would be mining it, not him. Under the terms of the handover agreement, the Anangu people leased Uluru Katja National Park to Australian Parks and Wildlife Services for 99 years, ensuring the public's ongoing access as well as continuing funds to the local community. But the rock is now off 
limits. Yeah, you can't climb it. They don't want you to climb it. That's the thing. You can still, but if you want to break their traditional yeah. things. But it'd be like somebody climbing all over St. Paul's Cathedral or St. Patrick's Cathedral, oh, you know. It's, this, it's this even thing. more sacred than that. I don't want to be too crude about it, but I'm going to be because the people are crude. You get caught short when you're at the top of the rock. Yeah, what, are what do you do? do? can't create a waterfall but there, but there has been so many heart attacks from people climbing the rock as well yeah you know that they, that's one of the reasons why they ask people not to what, do it what about dingoes and babies no they were opera singers all oh, right domingo's got my baby <laughs> <laughs> i've got an alternative theory mm. they don't want you climbing the rock because looking at it from space the rock is australia's eject button so if you oh. get too many people on it, the button will go down, and who knows what will happen. Oh, right. <laughs> okay. You've got to be careful of these things. We'll all be, we'll all be thrown into, into oblivion. Or launched into space. Oh, well. That could be Australia's contribution to the space race, <laughs> just, which is the tad late. <laughs> no, 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 it's not really. Because oh, there's a new race. Australia was the second country to send a satellite, send a rocket into space, satellite into space. What, we throw a stone? No, from the Woomera rocket range. Ah, but it came back. Hmm. It's like a woman. Uplifting, informing, empowering. Joy 94.9. And the coming up this uh, week is the um, Coming Back Out Ball. On Thursday. On the 25th of October. Yeah. You're going? Ah, oh, yes, I'll be there. Yes, I've got my With bells ball. on? With my bells on, yes. Queen, yes I'll, queen of the ball. I won't be, no, I won't be the queen of the ball. There'll be a few other people that are much more glamorous than myself. Yes, it's going to be very, very well done, done again. Yes, they've got some great artists. Meow Meow is going to be singing. She's one of the oh, artists. Oh, we, we just had Holly Valance going kiss, kiss. So yeah, meow, 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 meow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, but uh, it should be, it's the second one. They had one, the first one was last year, which was a huge success. And this so again the, is at the Melbourne Town Hall? The Melbourne Hall? Town Hall on the 25th of November there are tickets still available if you are listening to this and um, you can call uh, go go to the all the Queen's men's website you just google them and that will come up so you can have a ball at the hall yes <laughs> Alliteration. you can sell that yeah that's a good tag oh I've got to do is find somebody to buy it <laughs> <laughs> thank you born on the 24th of October 1933 is a local Australian hero in the gay community and for the gay community. And we're talking about Neil Blewett, who was an Australian politician and a Labour Party member. He received a Rhodes Scholarship and a Master of Arts and Political Science, and he is a well-educated and sensible person by the sound of his, his educational and academic career. He was the Minister for Health in 1987 in the Bob Hawke government. Now, that on the calendar of events in Australia is about the time that the fit hit the shan. That's when, that's when the, the AIDS, AIDS crisis, crisis really kicked in. It's also the year I moved to California. Well, which I don't see on any of these lists. <laughs> <laughs> and the government of the day was faced with this horrible situation that here we have a medical crisis and how are we going to manage it? And we were very fortunate, I think, that it was the Labor government that were in there, although the, opposition? the opposition did... Uh, come on board to do something about it. That's yeah, well, the, once again, they agreed. The opposition counterpart, Peter Baum, uh, made the difficult decision, both of him, uh, both he and Neil Blewett, to throw political differences aside to fight this medical situation. 
Blewett had said he'd been to the US in 1984, three years earlier, and was appalled at how the virus had become a partisan issue between the Republicans and the Democrats, and he was determined that that wouldn't happen in Australia. Who was the president that wouldn't even mention the word AIDS? Reagan. Was it Ronald Reagan? Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that'd be right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yes. And so both the Liberals and the Labors got together and together they worked out the fact that it was a situation that had to be depoliticized. Well, it would have had to be because you, it was affecting people from both sides of the of the community with the if didn't matter whether you were labor or liberal, it was affecting both of them. Yeah. And the thing was that um, Dr. Blewett was very very clever. He decided he would finance it from the ground up, not from the head down which was one of the things he, he got the people that were involved, like the people with the AIDS councils and that sort of thing, together, and they had a conference. Well, he didn't really have much choice because we didn't have a solution at the time. So no, you I had didn't. to help the people suffering rather than say, hang on for 10 years while we do some research. Mm. So you had to help them then, even if you didn't have the answers. Yeah, mm. but it wasn't ostriches with heads in the sand like in the US. Mm. That was the thing, that they, That's, they, they actually agreed that there was things that you could do well, and it was bigger that, than politics. It was. Hmm. And included the testing of all blood donations for HIV because suddenly they identified that blood was one of the, the vectors. Well, the French um, medical team discovered that it was a blood-borne disease rather yeah. than anything else. But we learnt that too late because yeah. hemophiliacs were well, catching yeah. HIV. Yeah. Uh, but also the, uh, Neil Blewett and his the team worked out that they should reach out to the intravenous uh, drug users. Mm-hmm. And then there was the famous Grim Reaper television advertising campaign, which was, uh, you know, the skeleton with a scythe and the bowling ball coming down, bowling everybody over. And that was the because of the threat. I mean, in one year, the number of people with HIV uh, was five times the previous year. So it was, had every opportunity to actually escalate out of control. But that ad had two effects. It was designed to show that anybody could catch the disease yeah. because the bowling ball was just going through to the general community. But what it did was make the gay community look really bad. Sadly. Yeah, but it, it sort of had a little bit of an effect, but it really wasn't that good. But, mm, yeah. I think in retrospect, they've, they've realised that they wouldn't have actually run the Grim Reaper ads as we now well, you would tolerate. Yeah. See, there are, see, there are young people that have grown up these days that would know know nothing about what happened in those early days mm-hmm. of the disease. It was it was just amazing. As usual, I'm afraid we've got to pick fault with Queensland because all the states actually had to implement plans because health, in lots of ways, was under the control of state government. That's right. Yes. But in the Bjorki Peterson Liberal government in Queensland, they said, no, thank you very much. Oh, well, what would Bjorki Peterson do? Anything else? He would give them pumpkin scones and hope they got better. Oh, right. But not mention them. Well, the Commonwealth actually formed a unique relationship with a local nunnery who Mm. were offering lots of support. The Sisters of Mercy in Eryps, which were running a, a care mission for people with AIDS, so we used them to launder the money for the AIDS Council in Queensland. Yes. These, these <laughs> nuns have got a lot to answer for since Sound of Music. <laughs> They've been interfering ever since. Have they? Yeah. It was a very hard time uh, in Australia when it, was, when it started, and it's still there. You've still got to be very careful what you do, even though they have 
new medications and stuff that you can use. They yeah, still but have still to. people are going to fall between oh, look, the cracks. Oh, look, there are people that, that people that don't know exactly what they should be doing. Yeah. Well, the the men who have sex with men either are going to be unaware of prep or too scared oh, to get yeah, it. Yeah, and there was a I think we mentioned it a few weeks ago about the fact that there the, in I think it's New South Wales there are a lot more straight men are, are um, presenting with HIV. Mm. Mm. So it's it's good that we've now moved well along the path, but we've got the examples of how we mishandled or the medicos did handle positively the initial bursts of the virus yeah uh, there was a hell of a lot of hard work and a lot of heartbreak too in the 90s it was just Mm. awful until they got they finished up with getting the azt which was the first one but that was almost as bad as having the disease exactly we have to thank dr blewett for all that because had we been in america we probably wouldn't have had anything like the results and he's still alive is dr blewett and married to his gentleman boyfriend yes i he I've spoke to. I heard him speak at a World AIDS Day um, thing in in here in Victoria, and he's a wonderful man, wonderful speaker. Mm. And he never blew it. <laughs> Thanks indeed for being around, Dr. Neil Blewett. Here on Joy. Love Radio. Joy is now on iHeartRadio. Turn us on anywhere. And you're listening, Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. We've got some international little snippets to chat about. Well, I think they want to do some snippets in in New Zealand, don't they? Oh, now, what do you really mean by that? Well... You want to make their chaps smaller. Yes. And their fashion chaps. The New Zealand reduced the 30-year wait for gender reassignment surgery. It's a release for the trans community after the country fell behind in offering this procedure. Now... That's a mysterious headline. What's the the story behind that, Gordon? Well, the, the New Zealand government, ages ago, years ago, New Zealand used to be one of the, the top places to go for gender reassignment surgery. They had a brilliant surgeon there who could do male to female, female to male. But uh, when he retired in, in 2014, they couldn't do any more. There was no doctors that would do could do the surgery, you see. Oh. And so they had a waiting list that was over 30 years waiting and they were uh, so they, they were limited in how much they, they were, could do they and, were allowed to and do, how frequently they could do they it. could do they were only limited to do two to three surgeries a year and that was possibly only put in place because of that one doctor that's right and then when he so the rule was still there but he wasn't yeah but they but, but before, and there was no one else to help him <laughs> but before i think that they could do he could do as many as he could but now the um, and it was very cheap to have the surgery done in new zealand but now it's gone up in price and uh, they have changed the law that now the the two to three surgeries a year is the minimum they can do. Mm. They must do more than that. So that there are there's on the waiting list there are eighty four male to female um, people and twenty seven female to male people. The hundred and eleven people waiting for wow. gender reassignment surgery. Mm. So well, that's good. But it was that the Labor government that brought it in. The Labor yeah. and the yeah, they've changed the rules which is good for the the trans community over there were feeling terribly um, let out, left out of the whole um, situation. Well, that was pretty horrible. Well, were that they would have to go overseas. Well, you go to 
Thailand or somewhere or something, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Or Morocco mm. or some of these other places. Mm. Uh, you're not sure exactly what you're going to get and you certainly wouldn't be supported by your local or the New Zealand Medicare equivalent. Yeah. So that would be rather expensive process. But it's, it's, it's certainly a win for the trans community in New Zealand. And I don't know whether we've got exchange rights with New Zealand for gender Reassignment. Well, some of them may have been able to get into the list over here or no, something. Well, I, I think, think our Medicare card works for general, general hospital activities. Hospital, but not that sort of thing, yeah. No. Yeah. Yeah. Imagine being trapped knowing you're in the wrong body and your government saying, well, you just have to wait. Yeah, it's just, it, the, it must just, be so well, painful. Well, one of, the, one of the chaps that they interviewed said that he, he, he said that he would not have the surgery because of the waiting list. He would be so old by the time it, he, he, he got to be have mm. the surgery, the gender reassignment surgery that wouldn't be any use to him, you know. So he is now on the list and he's going to be uh, have his operation in November. So good luck to him. Excellent. Mm. Well, it must be nice to finally be who you feel, feel like. you want to be, yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly right, yeah. But fortunately we're having a – it's a changed a little bit now here in Australia because we have these – um, the clinic at the children's hospital. If the yeah. ch- children feel that they are not in the right body, they can go, and the parents are, are, are good well. about it. They will take the child to the doctor, mm. and they can then discuss it openly and clearly. Yeah. And, and get so the kid will know that they're fine. Yeah, they're, they're not a freak. They're not a freak, and their feelings are valid, and we can fix it. That's right. Yeah. 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 So that's There's still a few people who are freaking out and thinking uh. that it's a fad. It's a fashion. Oh. Yes, it's like it's like you choose to be gay. Yeah, yeah, that's a fad in fashion, isn't it? That's right. Well, I'd vote for it. (laughs) Uh, Another report here. Thousands of Canadians have come out in signed petitions calling for conversion therapy to be banned. Why is it that something that is so obviously wrong on so many different levels isn't just banned? Why is it hard? Because it's a religious belief that you can do these sort of stupid things to people and change what they are. Let me be the devil's advocate. On one hand, we are saying of ourselves, we are God's children, we are made in the image of God. But Mm. then the trans people are trying to say, but what you see is not what is actually inside. But, you know, how far did God organize all this thing? It's from the religious point of view. Yeah, but Outside and insides as well. Yeah, but, Ooh, gay con- got it wrong. but gay conversion is a bit different to having an operation to change your gender and sexuality. But it, it's, it's these these gay conversion people. And there's apparently a very good movie coming out. It won't be released until November about this whole thing about gay conversion. It's, uh, mm. um, it's, I've seen reviews of it, and, of it and it's supposed to be a very good movie. But we do it here in Australia, which is uh, illegal in most states to do it in Australia, but they, they don't say that they're converting them. They, they're just helping them. Oh, yeah. Of you know, they're telling gay people that they are wrong. Yeah. That they're against nature and against God. That's not exactly a pick me up. Doesn't There's help nothing you, does it? good can come out of that. Of course not. Well, you know, the Canadian Psychiatric Society opposes the use of these treatments programs, and Canada's uh, psychiatrists are united. Being gay or bisexual or transgendered or asexual, whatever your sexual orientation, gender identity, or gender expression, is not a mental health issue. Of course it's not. So. They've, they've decided to, 
And in fact, the Pan-American Health Organization and the World Health explains that such practices lack medical justification, are ethically unacceptable, and represent a severe threat to the health and human rights of the subjects. Well, of course it does. Look, yeah. You know, so <laughs> I think Canada is catching up with the rest of the world, uh, although, of course, as we know, there's some states here in Australia that... that Still do it, sort of. Yeah, yeah. Behind nice. closed doors. Yeah, yeah, beauty nuke. Nasty, nasty. Yeah. But it's it, 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 and it's even worse in America, of course, which is. Yeah, but well, anyhow, good old Canada is coming to the party. Yeah, but I've got a note here that police reports across North America have identified conversion therapy as a contributing factor in numerous teen suicides. Of course, it is. Yeah. Because if yeah. you're just being told that you're not by your parents and your church. That you shouldn't exist, you need to change, everything is wrong. Yeah. C- certainly play with your mind. It's not fair. Yeah. Oh, talk about playing with your mind. A uh, quick little story here which actually got featured also in TV and radio here in Australia. But apparently uh, some men uh, arrested for sex in a pleasure emporium actually encountered a sympathetic judge who threw out the case that the policeman had tried to uh, to hold against these fellows who'd been <coughs> accosted. Well, they'd been picked up by the police, picked up by the fuzz, inside the Emporium. But the thing is that they were in a private place. Yes. They were not out in the open. Yes. Nobody was seeing what they were doing. No. And so what right did the police have to go into that place and do it? I can answer that by the location. Hollywood, Florida. We're not talking Hollywood, California. No, no. We're talking rednecks on rednecks. Oh, right, yeah. But, so, but the judge realised that the police had no right to go and do it, so they threw the charges. But the worst part about it was the two people that took them to court and had their charges thrown out were exonerated and nothing happened. But mm. there were people that had been caught that pleaded guilty yeah. and got fined and sentenced and had a, now have got a charge. a charge against their names. And, of course, a couple of the people had also already identified themselves and their names were published. Mm. And so they lost their jobs at their yeah. employment. Well, that's what so, happens in America. Oh, well, it, mm. well, it's what happened in the 1960s. And yeah. that brings us back to Florida. <laughs> you mean it's like you mean like Queensland? Is oh, it? it's the sunshine. It doesn't fade the carpets. It gets to the brain. <laughs> You're on Joy ninety four point nine. Been there, done that. The Gordon, Phil, and Chris. You can find more Joycasts and show blogs. Go to joy.org.au. You're with Gordon, Phil, and Chris. Been there, done that. Joy ninety four point nine. We complain about the church, the Catholic Church especially, although mm. up in up in Sydney, the Anglican Church... Oh, the church, Anglicans are going well, don't they're they? They're going a little berserk. Yes, um, you can't even do yoga if you have a Hindu philosophy or, or something. Or like have a smoking ceremony. Oh, oh golly gosh, golly gosh, there but, you go. But they did a, they did a nine-country survey... Yeah. of what the Catholics thinks about LGBTI community. Uh, now, these are the people in the street in Catholic countries. These are people, there were 9,600 and something odd of the mod yeah. in, uh, in these nine countries. They're the, the biggest Catholic countries in the world. You can name them if you Bra- like. Okay, Brazil, Colombia, France, Italy, Mexico, the Philippines, Spain, and the US. And 63% of them said that the church should be more f- accommodating for the LGBTI community. Now, what would that do to Mr. Ruddock's thing that's just come out about the children in uh, Catholic schools or church schools and stuff? You know, does that go anywhere near it? 
I think that is becoming such a hot little hot potato that that won't be released before the next election either because I think someone who's already got a copy of it will toss out a few more hand grenades from that. I did read it and a bit in the paper that somebody thought that it was one of Mr Turnbull's time bombs. Yeah. Yes. So yes. I think it's not going to be nice. But, but the, that's interesting but that the, those Catholic countries really want the, the story changed. Well, they want the Pope to be more accommodating with the, with the LGBTI community. And that's fair enough too. I mean, to say there's... there. Are, so I know some gay people that are very involved in their Catholic church, but they mm. also feel not as involved as they could be. Yeah. You know? Yeah, so. Are they out of church? Well, I prob- I, I probably not, I don't think yeah, so. I so don't think they were the rainbow so How can you feel connected when you're isolated yeah, by the church yeah, that you want yeah, to believe in? Yeah. Now, we've got a Melbourne girl who's having a birthday round about this time. Who have we got there, do you think? I think she's got a very famous half-sister, actually. Tony Lamont? That's right. However, we're talking about the Australian art scene, and we're talking specifically about Helen Reddy. Now, the Australian singer who's more these days uh, identified as a US singer. I think she's actually retired, hasn't she? She probably has. No, she's, as from 2011, she's had a revised uh, career. Maybe because of the Me Too movement, with the song I Am Woman. No, Mm. well, she was part of the feminist movement of the 70s, Mm. uh, the revitalisation of that, and she came out with the song I Am Woman. She's the first Australian to go to number one in America. Oh, yeah, you're right. Mm. Mm. Might have been the first Australian woman to win a Grammy. Yes, probably is that as well. Although, as the Simpsons would teach us, we don't really brag about winning a Grammy. (laughs) 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 Nothing really to be proud of. (laughs) And also, uh, having a star on the uh, the The Walk of Fame in Hollywood, there's about 2,000 stars there now. There's a little known fact about that. What is this little known fact? You've got to pay for it. You pay the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce. Oh. A, a, I've heard various numbers, but they're in the tens of thousands. And I'm not too sure if that gets you onto a... a short list. A short list or something to be voted on. But, um, yeah, it's not... It's, nobody ever mentions that, and you're all very happy when you get a star. But the sort of like, well, there's my name. But they they have v- v- various sections now for uh, film stars and radio stars and music stars and that oh, sort of, the, don't they? Yeah, they're just in different sections now of the of the Hollywood Boulevard. Yeah, yeah. Now she uh, Helen Reddy was born on the twenty fifth of the tenth, nineteen forty one, but uh, she is well and truly in the thick and thin of gender rights. Well, the, but the thing that yeah, the I am woman was equality, yeah. I am woman was sung in the it, because women weren't equal in the seventies mm. in almost any other country in the world, and she just brought out this song, and it just went viral everywhere. Everybody was singing it, and uh, it made women feel a bit more empowered, which they should be. And um, um, it's lovely to see that um, we're going back to our very first article, we're getting another woman into Parliament, which is going to be great. I listen to a lot of um, talkback shows, and the women on these talkback shows on the television are usually so intelligent. You know, you wonder where the devil have they been? They can talk on the subject, and they're just wonderful. We had earlier this week the uh, exhibition, I'm going to call it, of the Prime Minister of this week, anyway, I think, that's what they ask you when you when you when they're testing what your mental capabilities is when you get old. They ask you the name of the prime minister. How do you remember them? <laughs> uh, but someone is making uh, someone was making a an apology 
And people have said, hold on, <sighs> Mr. Prime Minister, are you genuine about this or is this just an advertising campaign? Well, you mentioned the Me Too movement. Well, I think now when you're Prime Minister, you just have to apologise for something. <laughs> yeah. but you should was, really say, I'm sorry, I'm Prime Minister. Yes, I must, I must admit that I listened to it and I was getting very, very annoyed. Mm. I was really, it, it wasn't. No, the people who need to apologise are those who committed the offences. Well, started the whole thing off. Yeah. Yes, yes. And as they said, somebody wrote into one of the papers that said, oh, well, um, Mr. Uh, Dutton and Mr. Abbott, it's oh. called karma. Yeah. Mm. I saw that yesterday, or mm. whenever it was. Mm. Mm. Gorgeous little statement. It was a very clever little statement. Anyhow, back to Helen Reddy with her I Am Woman. She was um, she was the one that was promoting the women's um, side of everything. Well, it now. was an angry song. Yeah, well, it, it wasn't it was a pretty a, song. It but was it had to be angry because they were not getting anywhere. Yeah. You know, it was it was a song of its time, really, because in the seventies, women were being put down all over the place. They were barefoot, pregnant, and at the sink. Not the ones with the pill. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On the 19th of October 1945 was born Harris Glenn Milstead. And as a name, we probably don't recognise that. But uh, in his other form, his alter ego, he was divine. <gasps> Wasn't now, he divine? 300-pound transvestite star <laughs> of Pink Flamingos, Hairspray and other John Waters films, who died on the 7th of March 1988. You've all seen Hairspray, surely, oh, the he, remake and he, everything. Did he die of a heart attack? Well, I should think so, being 300, 300 pounds. pounds that's a, yeah. He was a very large person, yes. yeah. But he was very very out there. He didn't care what he did. Mm. Yeah. In a 1976 interview, Glenn Milstead said that he was part of the time-honoured tradition of men playing women's roles. But I don't do Judy Garland or Mae West, and I'm not a female impersonator. I'm an actor. Yes, well, that's that's similar to Barry Humphreys with Dame Edna. He's yeah. an actor, mm, playing Which is, a part. Is that a distinction? Oh, a bit, a bit. Is, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because a, a female impersonator would consider themselves an actor. Yeah, well, that's that's. Yeah, but he never, he, he didn't have fame as Glenn Milstead. He only had fame as the alter ego. Well, he probably was never recognised as himself. Yeah. There was a significant <laughs> amount of makeup <laughs> applied. Oh, with the, with the, uh, with the size you'd need it. And the, the hair pulled right back. I mean, there's a blonde bald wig or something and those huge dark eyebrows and the big pink lips. Uh, mm. Not a pretty sight, but... You'd be a bit scared if you're walking in the dark and well, sort. Well, carried off this alter ego. Well, he, but it was it neat. could be something that he personally, as a as a male, didn't want to be or couldn't be. He made a living out of being what he was, so that was the main thing, well, I guess. Divine was a name, not a description. <laughs> <laughs> I think you you think he might have been having a second sort of a, a turnaround a, go. A digging himself. Yeah, digging himself. Yeah, took, called himself divine, and he wasn't there. Yeah, well, that's fair enough. But he, but he was very good in Hairspray. He was very, very clever in Hairspray. Oh, in a couple of the other films, Flamingo, I think. Yeah, Flamingos, that was... Um, uh, that was they, they were a little bit 
revolting. Well, he did. I think this is when he was creating his new persona Mm -hmm. and he had to draw attention to the darker side of life. Yes, well, eating dog poo doesn't sort of... that's what he did. I was skirting around. I was trying not to no, put my foot in it. Well, I well, I, you don't want to put your foot in it Doggies because you do. drag it in on the carpet. <laughs> Golly gosh. Uh, someone else who's having a birthday uh, around about this time on the 23rd of October 1954 is Ang Lee, the Taiwanese film producer. Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Yes. The Ice Storm, Hulk. Sense and Sensibility, Life of Pi, and Brokeback Mountain. Brokeback Mountain would probably be, it's probably his best known one in our community. Yeah. But the um, his um, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon was a superb movie. Of the, the effects in that movie were just stunning. Beautifully filmed. And, and I saw... How much of his heredity, his uh, Taiwanese, Taiwanese culture yeah. came through in these yeah. films the, or perspective in life. And the leading lady in the Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is now much older, of course, and she was the mother in Crazy Rich Asians, which was... Oh, the, yes, she was in that as well. And I recognised, I thought, where have I seen your face? And it wasn't until George, my partner, said she was in Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon and but I realised who she was, yeah. But he wasn't interested in making... Average movies. Oh no, no, he was like not the ice storm. He didn't think twice of killing off one of the the better characters. No, no, he was. He, but he he would go with the story, and the stories were always just that off, that little bit off. They were not. Yeah, somewhat total left of center. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But he was a brilliant filmmaker. It, it, well, he is a brilliant filmmaker. He hasn't passed away yet, so not. Well, don't say yet. No, no. Yeah, <laughs> well, okay. we're, we're still here yet. We are, <laughs> and hopefully we'll be here. Next week. Same place, same time, or whenever you're listening to us on a podcast Mm -hmm. or on our rebroadcast, our encore times. Mm. Yes, so if we all die before next week, you can still listen to us. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Have happy thoughts. Happy, happy thoughts, yes. See you next week. Bye for now. Bye-bye. This Joycast is a free service brought to you by Joy 94.9. Support Joy 94.9 by becoming a member at joy.org.au. This podcast was produced by Joy Media. You can support Joy's diverse sound and diverse community this June by donating to Joy Radiothon 2024. Go to joy.org.au slash radiothon. And remember, we all flourish with joy. Joy.